Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Quite literally the biggest star the Disney Channel had ever seen. But as Miley Cyrus grew into a teenager, the growing pains made for perfect tabloid fodder. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. Welcome to part two, Michelle Andrews. Hello, Zara McDonald. I've got to say, I get so excited knowing like the drive in today, I was like, we're talking about Miley Cyrus again and I am pumped. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to say, it's a particularly niche type of job when you know you spend all morning kind of talking about the career and life of Miley Cyrus. We are very lucky to be able to do what we do. But As always, Mish, let's kind of do a tiny bit of a recap for people who listened last week on what we covered in the last episode because we covered so much. Yeah, absolutely. So we, of course, spoke about Miley's rise to fame in a deeply Christian and conservative family. We spoke about her father, Billy Ray Cyrus's quirks. He has a thing for destiny. He has a thing for intuition, I think, (laughs) more than anything. We also spoke about, you know, her rise as Hannah Montana, the PR book deal that was orchestrated by Disney that was potentially used. Potentially. I mean, report, in our opinion, potentially (laughs) used to circumvent the PR woes from that now infamous Vanity Fair cover and the personal photo leaks. And then, of course, of course, of course, we touched on the fact that she met Liam Hemsworth while filming the last song and they very quickly fell in love. Shout out to the Woman's Day spread that was dedicated to Liam Hemsworth's ex-girlfriend who had to find out they were broken up through paparazzi photos of him kissing Miley Cyrus. Yeah, that is the absolute dream. We (laughs) left things off in episode one at August 2009. So let's roll right back there. All right, Zara, you said it before our beloved chimes. We are back in August of 2009. (laughs) I was going to say our beloved chimes, not everybody's (laughs) beloved chimes. (laughs) They're sticking, guys. They're staying. They're not going anywhere. Tough titties back home you go, (laughs) as as we say on the show. Now, it was the night of the Teen Choice Awards and Miley had a lot to celebrate. She was the first star to take home awards for a performance in a movie, a TV show, and for her music, ever. Yeah, incredible achievements. That Hannah Montana movie was amazing too. I was obsessed with it when I was younger. (laughs) 
In August, Miley released what is probably recognised as her most iconic song ever, Party in the USA, which she did perform at the Teen Choice Awards to celebrate her wins that night. Now, at the end of the performance, she thanked her fans for nominating her and for voting for her. And she also thanked God, my father, for putting me on the stage tonight. She also told her fans, God bless each and every one of you. Around her neck, Miss, she also wore a pretty large crucifix in recognition of her faith. Yeah, but that's not to say that Miley's appearance at the Teen Choice Awards was without criticism. In fact, some people were really quite unhappy with Miley's performance on the night. At the top of the list, we kind of had criticism as to what Miley, then a teenager, was dressed in. She was wearing a tank top, a pair of really short shorts and boots, and she was dancing on top of an ice cream cart. Now, importantly, on that ice cream cart, there was a pole coming out of the top of it, and Miley was holding that pole while she was dancing But there are kind of two sides to this story, as there is with every Miley Cyrus scandal, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can understand if she's dancing and singing on the top of an ice cream cart, the pole is there to help her stay (laughs) steady. Like, otherwise she's going to topple off the thing. But some people didn't see it that way. Billboard magazine at the time reported that Miley had, and I quote, straddled what resembled to be a stripper pole protruding from an ice cream cart. Now, Mish, even Rolling Stone said that Miley was, and I quote, gyrating on a pole and that while those provocative moves and pelvic thrusts weren't exactly a striptease, they still sparked a widespread debate about how appropriate the performance was for an underage star. Yeah. What do you think about it? We watched this video. Do you have many thoughts on this? It's so funny because I think when I – I did a lot of reading about this before I watched it, which I actually think was an interesting way to go about it because as I was reading it, I was like, oh, there's no way she would have been gyrating on this pole. There's no way she would have been pole dancing. And I watched it and I thought, yeah, this is not a pole dance. However, to me, I think what – Miley and perhaps her team were trying to do would just slowly push the envelope as she was trying to sort of introduce herself as a singer beyond Hannah Montana. I don't think that they were trying to do anything deeply inappropriate. I think they were just trying to say Miley is getting older and she can do adult things. Yeah, I agree with that. I think on the whole, I thought the performance was pretty fine when I watched it back. I think it was tinged with a slight level of maturity that was beyond Miley's years. But that criticism should always be levelled at her team not a teenager. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the problem that we will find ourselves in throughout this episode is that a lot of this criticism was directed at Miley and not the people around her. So this brings us to 2010, Mish. Miley was 17 and did know that her time with Disney was slowly wrapping up. She was getting a bit old for the Mm. Disney sort of stardom. She needed to kind of create her own path. The final season of Hannah Montana was set to air. She'd be putting out her final Hannah Montana-related album And as so many Disney stars find themselves, she needed to start carving her own identity outside of the Disney franchise. Yeah, and we definitely saw that in May of 2010 when that was her first real notable attempt to kind of undertake a musical rebellion. So that was the month that she released Can't Be Tamed. And the music video for this single had a much darker vibe than what her audience was used to. She's dancing pretty sexily in a way we hadn't seen before. She was gyrating on some of her backup dancers. The lyrics were definitely a deviation away from the PG-13 branding we had seen from her in the past. Here's a snippet of the lyrics from Can't Be Tamed. 
I go through guys like money flying out of hands. They try to change me, but they realize they can't. And every tomorrow is a day I never plan. If you're going to be my man, understand I can't be tamed. The music video is really, really interesting because she is quite literally in a big cage that she's trying to break out of wearing these weird sort of wings as if she's a bird that's kind of having her wings clipped a little bit. And it feels almost too obvious. Yes. You know what I mean? Like almost way too obvious being like, we get it. Like you are trying to break out of this mold. Billboard called the video her official breakaway from her squeaky clean teen image and attempt to be taken seriously as an adult pop artist. The clip featuring a caged Miley under display at an art museum was like a PG-13 cross between Britney Spears's I'm a Slave for You and Lady Gaga's Paparazzi with Miley dressed in black underwear, dancing provocatively with backup dancers of both genders and literally sprouting wings to try and escape the cage she's been put in. E! News called it the death of Hannah Montana. Yeah. Behind the scenes, Disney was reportedly a little frazzled about all of this. They felt the need to separate themselves from the new Miley Cyrus they were seeing publicly. It was years later that a former Radio Disney employee actually confirmed on Twitter that the releasing of Can't Be Tamed caused a lot of conflict behind the scenes. They claimed that the day after the single came out, Radio Disney was allegedly informed by the parent company of Disney, to stop airing or promoting anything related to Miley Cyrus. Big call, big reported call, I should say. The corresponding album, which was released the following month in June 2010, was also considered a pretty commercial flop mish and actually copped a lot of the same criticism that the single did. It did debut at number three on the Billboard 200 chart. It did sell 102,000 copies in its first week. But I think it's important to note that that was half the number of albums Miley had sold in 2008 with her Mm. album Breakout. And I think for a lot of people, this comparatively lacklustre performance was pretty surprising given she was at the highest point of her fame so far. Like the album was coming off the back of her starring in the Hannah Montana movie, the huge success of Party in the USA. And so people really did expect this album to do better, not worse than her last. Yeah. Many in the music industry similarly criticised the album for trying to be too edgy, but kind of ending up in no man's land. The general consensus from critics was that while it was obvious Miley and her team were trying to do the whole rebellious breaking out of Disney thing, it didn't land. And what I find really curious about this time in Miley Cyrus's career is that she was copying criticism saying, you're trying to be older than you are and we're not buying it, while simultaneously being dragged through the mud by international media for not being enough of a child either. Yeah, it would have been an incredibly confusing time for her identity-wise. And I think one of the more troubling things that we found in our research through this time is how so many people did forget that she was a teenager through this time, particularly people like professional celebrity Joel Perez Hilton, who treated a then teenager in Miley Cyrus, so horrendously mish. Mm, Yeah, in June 2010, so the same month that Miley's album came out, Perez Hilton used his Twitter account to post a photo of Miley getting out of a car and allegedly implied that she was not wearing underwear. So to make this very, very clear, Perez Hilton was putting out a photo to the world via his Twitter account in which people accused him of speculating that a teenager was naked from the waist down. This was all done knowing full well 
that Miley was still considered a child in the eyes of the law. He very quickly deleted it and kind of proceeded to play the ignorant card. He said, seems like the whole world is thinking I posted a photo of Miley's vagina with no underwear on. Sure, I may nickname her slutty Cyrus, but she's not a moron. I did not pixelate anything. I did not Photoshop anything. I can't help it if America has a very dirty imagination. God, I hate this guy in so many different ways. For the record... Perez Hilton was not lying when he said that he called Miley Slutty Cyrus. In our research, we could find instances of Perez Hilton reporting on, in quotation marks, Slutty Cyrus all the way back in 2008. So we had a fully grown man writing about a 15-year-old and calling her Slutty. I actually would love to dive into the career of Perez Hilton one day because the stuff that he's done and the damage he has caused – I feel like not enough people have sort of properly looked back on, but that Mm. might be for another time. But this is the thing I think, Mish, about America and perhaps the world forgetting that Miley was a teenager throughout all this time is that we weren't particularly forgiving when she got up to stuff that a lot of other teenagers get up to. Yeah. Like bongs. Yes, like bongs. Exhibit A of this was in December 2010 when that footage of Miley Cyrus smoking a bong hit the internet. This moment was reportedly filmed at her LA home five days after her 18th birthday party. If you don't remember the video, basically it showed Miley smoking a bong, tipping her head back, coughing and saying, okay, I'm about to lose it now. She then lies down and starts laughing. Her friend filming says, I'm going to document the shit out of this right now, to which Miley replies, I'm having a little bit of a bad trip. She then sits up and yells, oh my God, is that a fucking Liam lookalike or what the hell is that? Is that my boyfriend? Is that my boyfriend? Oh my God, he looks so much like him. Is that me tripping? So she's pointing to a guy in the corner of the room or another guy at the party saying he was kind of the doppelganger for her boyfriend, Liam Hemsworth. Miley's friend then encourages her to take another hit because, and I quote, she isn't as fucked up as she should be. TMZ reported at the time that Miley wasn't smoking marijuana, but salvia, which is a natural herb with psychedelic qualities. And I think most importantly, possession of which was legal at the time in California. It does pose the question, Mish, for me, as I've been sort of researching and reading through this. Why was her friend filming this? Was the video stolen? Did someone deliberately leak it? Did someone kind of set her up in this way? Mm. Like at this age, I couldn't think of anything more stressful or anything that would give birth to greater paranoia than thinking that people were trying to trip you up in your circle or selling these videos to the media for great sums of money. Well, it's that idea that there are rats in your miss, right? Yeah. And it's particularly uncomfortable when you watch the video and you realise the person filming is goading her to go further yes. and further and get more and more fucked up in quotation marks. It like just adds another layer where you're like, how is this happening? Who are these people Why are they doing this to her? As you can probably imagine, Miley faced serious backlash over this video, including from her own father, Billy Ray Cyrus. He tweeted in response to it, writing, Sorry, guys, I had no idea. Just saw this stuff for the first time myself. I'm so sad. There is much beyond my control right now. Please unpack this with me, Zara, because the fact that Billy Ray Cyrus is apologising to the public about his kids' behaviour gives people the impression that she owed something to them and that she is forever indebted to the public. When it's like, this is a teenager who just fucked up. Can't you guys deal with this behind closed doors? Why is her father apologising on his Twitter account? 
I read this and I felt very much like this was the equivalent of throwing his own daughter under the bus because I think what I would want from my parents if I was famous is for them to be like, hey, guys, this is a 17 or 18-year-old. She is just a normal kid. She mucks up from time to time. We couldn't love her anymore. Like we've got her back. Not I'm so sorry there is much beyond my control right now because it's putting out this story or narrative to the world that she's off the rails and there's nothing I can do about it and I don't want anything to do with this story. I don't want this to affect my brand. I want to separate myself. Yeah, well, in this tweet, he's far more concerned about protecting himself, just saw this stuff for the first time, instead of protecting his daughter. Like he's doing PR control for his own brand instead of being genuinely concerned for his teenage girl. Yeah, you could do a whole language analysis, I think, on this one tweet. But I think for me, I lost a lot of respect for Billy Ray when I saw this. Yeah. Because it's not at all how I'd want my parents to react. To put things into context here as well, Mish, Miley wasn't yet done with Disney, which did prove a little bit of a problem. The final episode of Hannah Montana was scheduled to air a month later in January 2011, and she was still seen as a role model for young children, so therefore was criticised for modelling bad behaviour. Yeah, a former California state politician and Republican, Anthony Adams, even came out with a statement about the bong video incident. He wanted the substance banned in the state and said, that and I quote, Miley is a star and young kids are going to emulate her behavior. To make matters even more complicated, this bong video wasn't just kind of tarnishing Miley's good girl on Disney image. It was also very contradictory for something she had said in the media very recently. Yeah, exactly. Just a year prior, 17-year-old Miley had told a radio station this. I'm totally cool with people going out and dancing. So if I'm ever seen out dancing at a club, having fun, like I don't want people to immediately go, oh, she's on drugs. Oh, she's drunk. Oh, she's this. Because like just to put it very clear and I'll stand by my word, it's not something I'm afraid to say because I think that I'm going to sound hypocritical at some point in my life because like drugs are for idiots and I'm never going to be that person. And I think as long as I steer clear of that and keep that mind frame, I think I'll be cool. Because like I just have way too much fun on my own. Like I I go out and I dance and I have fun. And like, but I just have so much fun. I look at people that do that kind of stuff. I'm like, you look stupid and you don't look hot. So Mish, as you can probably imagine, the condemnation with all of this in mind was really swift and really brutal. According to The Guardian, in the wake of the video leak, betting website bookmaker.com invited users to place bets on what would happen to Miley Cyrus next. The shortest odds were either attending rehab or being dropped by her record label. Mm, Pretty brutal. Within weeks of this video being released as well, a poll of more than 99,000 young girls aged between 9 and 15 was conducted online. That found Miley to be, and I quote, the worst celebrity role model for young girls. She took out more than 58% of the total vote. That is so yuck. Yeah. And just to point out the absolute bleeding obvious, in what world would this poll be done for young men? When the dust had settled in February 2011, Miley apologised for the incident when she was doing an interview with Marie Claire. She said... I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. I am disappointed in myself for disappointing my fans. When the interviewer asked Miley, was she really sure it was a mistake given, and I quote, college kids your age all over America are smoking bongs with a lot more than salvia in them, Miley replied, but they're not Miley Cyrus. They're not role models. So for me, it was a bad decision because of my fans and because of what I stand for. 
a lot of pressure. Yeah, a huge amount of pressure. A few months later, Miley did actually kind of have a change of heart and began to poke fun at the scandal. She actually made her Saturday Night Live debut and sang a song about her many controversies so far, like posing almost nude for Annie Leibovitz. She did point out, though, that she hadn't had a DUI, hadn't been arrested, hadn't really committed a crime, and that, I quote, there are things that are much worse than smoking a bong. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately for Marley, though, the scandals do not stop here. We are going to find out about more of them after the break. All right, Zara. So Billy Ray Cyrus is not our number one boy at the moment. <laughs> He's not. He's been a bit naughty. And in February 2011, when Miley seemed to be finally free from her Disney contract, publicly at least, her family, including Billy Ray, was kind of falling apart. And we know about this in such detail because Billy Ray Cyrus did an interview with GQ magazine that same month. Yes, this is one of the more bizarre interviews I've read, Mm. to be totally honest with you. Now, in this piece, GQ wrote that Billy Ray's life was in a really bad place. He had moved out of his family's LA home. He had returned to Tennessee. He'd filed for divorce from Tish in October. His record company had delayed his latest comeback. And his 18-year-old daughter had just had that bong smoking incident we spoke about that he reportedly found out about online. Mm. Now, Billy Ray in this piece talked about how during every scandal Miley had faced over the years, he had taken the fall as her father. He said this, every time something happened in Miley's career, every time the train went off the track, if you will, Vanity Fair, pole dancing, whatever scandal it was, her people, or as they say in today's news, her handlers, every time they'd put it on me. Someone's shooting at Miley. Put the old man up there. Well, I took it because I'm her daddy and that's what daddies do. Okay, nail me to the cross. I'll take it. All those people around, they used me every time. It became so obvious that man, no matter what happens, they're going to put you up there and let you take the bullet. I don't even know what to make of this. Is that not your job as a parent? Yeah. And it's also like, well, you were instrumental in thrusting this young girl into stardom very, very young. You can't just leave her high and dry and then be like, well, it's other people's responsibility now. She's still your daughter. Yeah, there's an annoying level of helplessness about this when I actually do think you have more power than you're pretending you do. Yeah, he did address that bong smoking scandal directly and said, once again, all them people, they all wanted me to fly out so that when all the bad press came, they could say, daddy endorsed this stuff. I started realising I'm being used. If I would have just went out there, I would have been right in the middle of all this stuff that's going on right now with the bong. They'd be hanging it on my ass. I had the common sense. I said, this whole thing's falling apart up there and they just want to blame all this stuff on me again. I'm staying out of it. Forgetting again, I think that he is a father and this is his daughter. He's acting like it's a workplace issue rather than a family one. He's acting like this is a Hollywood star he used to manage many moons ago and now she's managed by someone else and no longer his problem. Yeah, like this is not my responsibility, not my problem. You guys sort it out. I'm not possibly taking the brunt for this. In what world does a parent not consistently do that for a child? Like that's your job, right? A hundred percent. One of the biggest things that also came out of the interview was Billy Ray declaring he wished that he and Miley had never done Hannah Montana. 
the show that made his child a star. He said that after the first two seasons of the show, he felt things change between he and Miley. The business was driving a wedge between us, he said. Billy Ray Cyrus said that the year before, when they were shooting for Hannah Montana's season four began, it was a complete disaster. He said, I was going to work every single day knowing that my family had fallen apart, but yet I had to sit in front of that camera. I look back and go, how did I ever make it through that? He also said that being in LA had shaken he and Miley's faith. He said that the whole family had been baptised before they moved to LA because, as Tish apparently said at the time, we're going to be under attack and we have to be strong in our faith and we're all going to be baptised. Billy Ray proceeded to tell GQ that there was no doubt about it, his family was under attack by Satan. Yeah, and he didn't just stop there. When he was asked if Hannah Montana had kind of destroyed his life, he said, oh, it's huge, it destroyed my family. I'll tell you right now, that damn show destroyed my family. Yeah, the journalist asked again whether Billy Ray wished the show hadn't happened and he said, I hate to say it, but yes, I do. I'd take it all back in a second. For my family to be here and just everybody be okay, safe and sound and happy and normal would have been fantastic. Heck yeah, I'd raise it all in a second if I could. Mm. Just a month after this interview was published, Billy Ray ended up calling off the divorce to Tish telling the media, I want to put my family back together. Things are the best they've ever been. Yeah, there's a real kind of worrying level of highs and lows here. Everything feels very extreme with Billy Ray. Either Mm. he's the lowest he's ever been or the highest he's ever been or his family's falling apart or his family's the best it's ever been. It's a troubling state of being, I think. Yeah, to be saying one month we're being kind of followed by Satan or Satan has cursed us and then a month later say everything's back to normal, I'm better than ever – that kind of roller coaster in 30 days is unusual. It is. So that all went down in early 2011 and over the next two years, Miley really did try to break away from Disney and into more serious acting roles, but scandals really did continue to plague her and her career. In 2011, it was announced that Miley would voice a character in the animated film Hotel Transylvania. But in January 2012, Miss, she was fired. Yeah, so what the hell happened? At the time, back in 2012, it was not clear at all. People just knew that Miley had been booted from the film. But in the 10 years that have passed since Zara, the missing pieces of this puzzle have been found. So it turns out that Miley was actually dumped from Hotel Transylvania shortly after TMZ published images of her gifting her boyfriend, Liam Hemsworth, a penis cake for his birthday. She then licked it and photographs of her doing that went online. It all sounds a bit silly now, but at the time this was massive news. The photos of Miley licking the penis cake for whatever reason, became just as much of a scandal as almost the bong video did. And it fueled all this commentary that Miley was simply too risky, too controversial to possibly sell a kid's movie. Yeah, within two weeks of these photos being published, news had broken that Miley was off the film and Selena Gomez was taking her place. So while the animated movie she was meant to star in went on to gross more than $350 million at the box office, In 2012, she was left with roles in LOL and So Undercover, 
both of which were critical and commercial flops. To compare with Hotel Transylvania, LOL barely scraped $10 million at the box office, while So Undercover didn't even crack $3 million. Yeah, so that's her career and where it's at in 2012. What about her relationship with Liam Hemsworth? Well, since they met on the set of the last song in 2009, Liam and Miley had had an on-again, off-again relationship. They apparently broke up for a month in 2010, but got back together pretty soon after. Then, by March 2012, a 19-year-old Miley was sparking engagement rumours because she was being papped wearing a topaz ring on her ring finger. She did take to Twitter to clarify that she was not engaged and, I quote, people just want to find something to talk about. But Miley and Liam did actually get engaged a few months later in June 2012, about three years after they met. Miley confirmed to People magazine that she and Liam were engaged. The magazine reported that Liam, who was 22 at the time, had proposed to Miley, who was 19 at the time, on May 31 with a 3.5 carat diamond ring. Miley said to people, I am so happy to be engaged and look forward to a life of happiness with Liam. Mm, So her love life is good. Her professional life is far from good. Miley's career wasn't in freefall. I don't want to over-exaggerate. I don't want to say that she was in the pits of her career, but it was not thriving and it was not growing in 2012 either. And perhaps that is what sparked a really drastic change in August 2012 because that's when Miley shocked her fans by chopping all her hair off and dyeing it platinum blonde. She tweeted about it. She said, never felt more me in my whole life. At the end of that year, she turned 20. Not to sound like a broken record, but I feel like with a lot of these stories, I always forget how young people actually are when they're the center of these storms. Like she was still a teenager up until this point. Miley's haircut precipitated a new decade in her life and a whole new era for her music image and reputation. In January 2013, she cut ties with Hollywood Records, who released all of her personal music while she was attached to Disney, and she signed with RCA Records. She also signed with Larry Rudolph, best known as Britney Spears' former manager, who helped her evolve into a global pop star. So she was really sort of pivoting and making changes. I think that appointment of Larry Rudolph explains a lot dare I say as well, particularly given during the time that he managed Britney and the kind of publicity stunts, kissing Madonna is first and foremost in my head when I think of him, the publicity stunts he used for Britney Spears to push her brand, it's not incredibly surprising that he came on for Miley Cyrus at this point in her life. Now, back to Miley and Liam for a sec. At this point in Feb 2013, cheating rumours were actually starting to emerge in their relationship. Perez Hilton tweeted that Miley had cheated on Liam with Gossip Girl star Ed Westwick and published some grainy photos of them supposedly hanging out together on a Thursday night. Although in the photos, we've got to say... Whoever the man is in this car, his face is often obscured by like poles or whatever's getting in the way. You can see Miley. You can see she's with a man. It's not clear if that man is Ed Westwick from these images. Yeah, exactly. Miley fired back when these reports were published saying she had never been with Ed W in my life and told Perez, I hope you find love one day, but can you not fuck with mine? Over the coming months, Miley continued to be hit with rumours and reports that she and Liam had called off their engagement or were struggling. In April 2013, Miley's dad, Billy Ray, 
gave another one of his candid interviews. He did. He decided he needed to go on ABC News's Nightline and talk about Miley and Liam's relationship and where they were heading. He told them, they're young, they're kids. The great news is they're great friends. They're really good friends. When he was asked whether or not Miley and Liam were in fact getting married, he responded, I don't know. And then this was published in People magazine. Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth continued to have relationship problems after postponing wedding. Now, People spoke to a source close to Miley who said, Miley and Liam had another argument before the weekend and the engagement ring is off again. They don't want to get married until they figure out their problems. But Miley is very worried about losing Liam. She is crazy about him. Really screams to the fact of how young they were. I'm thinking back to how I behaved in relationships when I was 18, 19, 20, and then throw in that idea that Taylor Swift herself posited and that we covered in that scandal series. A lot of celebrities stopped maturing at the age they became famous. Imagine the level of immaturity that could have been in this very young, very fresh relationship still between Miley and Liam. Yeah, exactly. And despite reports that the wedding was off, it kind of did appear like the two were still together despite all these rumours. They were photographed on a movie date in June. They appeared together at the premiere for Liam's film in August. But back to the music for a second, Mish. In June 2013, 20-year-old Miley released a new single off her upcoming album called We Can't Stop. It was originally written for Rihanna. And once you know that, you can hear that. You can absolutely hear that. And it was definitely the edgiest song Miley Cyrus had released so far. This entire song is basically about partying and doing drugs with lines like, so la da dee da dee we like to party, dancing with Molly, doing whatever we want. There's also the line, and everyone in line in the bathroom trying to get a line in the bathroom, we all so turned up here. I actually just realised, even though I've edited these notes a million different times, <laughs> when you were reading out those lyrics that I've always sung it as dancing with Miley, (laughs) not Molly. (laughs) And I thought it was way more wholesome than it was. The song went to peak at number two on the Billboard Hot 100, only bested Mish by Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines for the number one spot. Yeah, at the time, Miley did admit that she was really making an effort to shed her Disney image. She told Billboard, I want to start as a new artist. I consider my upcoming album my first. It's not like I'm losing who I am. I actually found out more about who I am by making this music. I'm going on a journey and that's more than a lot of 20-year-olds can say. And I'm still going to change so much because I'm not the same person I was six months ago. I'm not even the same person I was two weeks ago. And this brings us to August 2013, the month that Miley gave her very polarising performance with Robin Thicke at the 2013 VMAs. Now, during the performance, Miley and Robin Thicke sang a mashup of their two big hits from the year, We Can't Stop, Blurred Lines and Give It To You. Yeah. Miley started out the performance in a leotard before stripping down to a latex skin-coloured bra and undies with a foam finger. In her performance, she danced around with giant teddy bears and stuck her tongue out a lot. What was really controversial, though, was how she was dancing and interacting with Robin Thicke. Thicke, who at the time, I mean, Robin Thicke feels so irrelevant now, but he was like the biggest deal in music at this point with Blurred Lines. Miley was also using her foam finger to kind of rub her crotch. She was twerking. She was pretending to make out with Robin Thicke's neck. 
and at one point bent over right in front of him to shake her ass. The performance became a moment in pop culture history. In fact, Rolling Stone observed that the six-and-a-half-minute performance changed pop culture forever. Images of Will Smith and his children's <laughs> appalled reactions became a meme that would be used for the next decade. E! News tweeted, raise your hand if you feel personally victimised by Miley Cyrus's VMA's performance. And that was retweeted more than 27,000 times. Conservatives were outraged and progressives were confused but also kind of loving it, Michelle? Yeah, I remember watching this as someone who would consider myself a progressive And partly being deeply entertained and partly just being like, what the fuck is going on? Like confused, really distracted by the poking out of the tongue. Like I remember that being the thing that really got me, not the twerking and the teddy bears and the outfit. It was the tongue (laughs) and like the space bun hair. Yeah, the tongue sat permanently outside her mouth for sure. (laughs) Now, Mika Brzezinski, the TV host on MSNBC, also was a little outraged by this performance. She said, that young lady who is 20 is obviously deeply troubled, deeply disturbed, clearly has confidence issues, probably an eating disorder. So inappropriate. So deeply inappropriate. Yeah, we then had people like Adam Lambert, though, who offered a different perspective. He tweeted out, Miley looked like she was having a ton of fun. Y'all need to relax and lighten up. It was meant to be funny. Leave her alone. The next day, Miley tweeted that her VMA performance had 360,000 tweets per minute, which was, and I quote, more than the blackout or Super Bowl. Yeah. The commentary was a lot. Almost all of it was directed at Miley, not Robin Thicke. And even Robin Thicke's mother, Gloria, weighed in on the furore telling Yahoo, I was not expecting her to be putting her butt that close to my son. Oh, my God. The problem is now I can't unsee it. Him? Loved it. I love that suit, the black and white suit. I don't understand what Miley Cyrus is trying to do. I just don't understand. Whose idea was it to go, you know whose opinion we need in all of this? Glorious. (laughs) Glorious. Someone get Robin Thicke's mum on the line and let's hear her basically parrot this idea of that unruly young girl and my precious son up on stage in a suit. Like it's just such a massive eye roll. In an interview with the New York Times years later, Miley Cyrus revealed there was an interesting person who quite took to her performance. She said, I was staying at the Trump Hotel and Donald Trump literally called me the morning after the performance and said, basically, I know everyone's talking about it, but I loved it. Miley acknowledged the double standard herself in the commentary in an interview a week after the performance. She said, no one is talking about the man behind the arse. It was a lot of Miley twerks on Robin Thicke, but never Robin Thicke grinds up on Miley. They're only talking about the one that bent over. So obviously there's a double standard. I think what's really important to note is the conversation really did go further than that, though, because in the wake of the performance, Miley did face pretty intense backlash for cultural appropriation and for using black female dancers as props. And this was kind of another conversation that sort of sat parallel to everything else. Yeah. In a piece written for Slate that was titled Brown Body, White Wonderland, writer and sociologist Tressie McMillan Cottom wrote, what I saw in Cyrus's performance was not just a clueless, culturally insensitive attempt 
attempt to assert her sexuality or a simple act of cultural appropriation at the expense of black bodies. Instead, I saw what kinds of black bodies were on that stage with Cyrus. Cyrus did not just have black women gyrating behind her. She had particularly rotund black women. She gleefully slaps the ass of one dancer like she intends to eat it on a cracker. She is playing a type of black female body as a joke to challenge her audience's perceptions of herself while leaving their perceptions of black women's bodies firmly intact. Her parting line was this, no, it's not Syria, but it's still worth commenting upon when, in the pop culture circus, the white woman is the ringleader and the women who look like you are the dancing elephants. It wasn't the first time that Miley was accused of appropriating black culture for financial gain, Mish, and it certainly wouldn't be the last either. Now, Miley's next single, Wrecking Ball, dropped the same day as the VMAs. I didn't realise this all happened so quickly. Yeah, and this is where I'm really thinking of that new appointment of her manager and that Britney Spears kind of mentality. This is PR, yes, at its most controversial, but also PR at its most effective. The music video for Wrecking Ball came out two weeks later and showed Miley straddling a literal wrecking ball in the nude whilst licking a big hammer. The song broke the video record for the most views in 24 hours and climbed its way to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 within a few weeks, her first single to top the chart. But Miley was criticised for the song and the direction her work had taken. And we really did start to see, I mean, I shouldn't even say start to see because I feel like this had happened for a time, but we saw more of Miley being slut-shamed for her artistic choices around this time. Yeah, The Guardian's journalist Michael Han wrote this. It is certainly not my place as a 44-year-old man to pronounce on how 20-year-old women should display their sexuality. But whatever her reasons for making the video, Cyrus does send a message that the best way for young women to be noticed is to sexually objectify themselves. And in this case, sadly it seems to have worked. So it's not my role to talk about this, but also here's me talking about this. Miley has also acknowledged that while she was trying to encourage women to express themselves and their sexuality at the time, she did feel like she was being sexualized too. It's like the age-old chicken and egg. She later told Harper's Bazaar, in the beginning, it was kind of like saying, fuck you, girls should be able to have this freedom or whatever. But it got to a point where I did feel sexualized. Yeah. It's really apparent that during this time, Miley made mistakes or made choices that she wouldn't make today, probably because she didn't really know who she was. And there's a really interesting quote that she gave at the time where she speaks about how being caught between two personas as a child played out in her adulthood. She told CBS, I think people loved Hannah Montana because it was real and that's because I was under there. But that was hard for me balancing everything. When I started touring as both, I started touring as Hannah Montana and as myself. I think that's probably why a little bit is wrong with me now. I mark that up as doing some damage to my psyche. Really interesting quote. She also said that it was when she released We Can't Stop and Wrecking Ball that she really started to feel like she was taking back her image. She said, I didn't realise that it was going to shift me into truly being my own person. It changed my life. I finally felt like that boundary, that divide between Miley and Hannah Montana was very clear. I feel like this is a real realisation moment maybe. I feel like I'm Kylie Jenner in that famous now YouTube video of it's all about realising stuff. realising things. But maybe Miley Cyrus's life has been about her literally living out two sides of herself. Sometimes she is living out that wholesome, whimsical Hannah Montana side and other times she's living out 
Miley Cyrus, the woman who is complicated and gritty and sexual and she's struggling to find out where she actually sits if she sits between either. Yeah, and I think that's why for so long when she was trying to push out of that Disney bubble that she copped so much criticism for it not landing because Mm. it's like you're either going too far or you're not going far enough. It doesn't seem genuine. It doesn't seem authentic. It seems quite forced. And I think that lands quite neatly with these quotes because I think it clearly took her a very long time to work out who she was amongst the perception of who people thought she was. And it was as Miley Starmish was at its highest point, I mean, everyone was talking about the VMAs, everyone was talking about her new hit Wrecking Ball, that she also found herself standing up in the limelight alone because while everyone was talking about what had happened on stage at the VMAs, there were also whispers about what was happening in the audience below. Yeah, because Zara that night with the big novelty finger and the latex bikini had one notable absentee from the audience, Miley's fiancé Liam Hemsworth. Within a month, the news would hit Miley and Liam had split and the drama in Miley Cyrus's life was only just getting started. We're talking drugs, celebrity flings, cheating rumours and a fire that almost engulfed everything. But all of that and more on next week's episode of Scandal. You could probably do about 100 episodes on (laughs) Miley Cyrus, that is for sure, but we have one left next Monday. Guys... I'm tired and I didn't even live this. We just spoke (laughs) about it. Thank you so much for listening and big thank you to our researcher, Justine Landis-Hanley, who researched this with help from you and I, Mish. If you want to see more from Miley, come to our Instagram page at Shameless Podcast. We will have a whole gallery of photos, as always, from this point in Miley's life. So you can really kind of have your memory sparked about some of these really key storylines. Yeah, absolutely. I will be putting that now iconic photo of Will Smith and his kids staring up at the stage with these kind of like horrified expressions on their faces for sure. Yeah, I cannot wait to see that again. Guys, we will be back in your ears as always on Thursday with a wrap in the week that was in pop culture. In the meantime, stay safe, stay happy. Stay chill. Stay chill. Stay what else? Drink your water. Drink your water. (laughs) Bye. Bye.